Okay, as in go. This is Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the restaurant world. like what we're feeding you, please follow us on your podcast service of choice. And do give us a five-star review. Think of it as a tip for good service. Everyone, today I'm joined by Justin Bartek. You probably uh, remember our episode from early on in the Fork Tales days. Uh, I had to have him back because so much has changed since then. Uh, Justin, why don't you say hello and uh, give us a little update on where you've been and where you are now? Yeah, man. Uh, it's good to see you, Joseph, as always. Um, in the past few months, um, about five months ago now, I joined Doghouse Worldwide, which is uh, hot dog brand, but we do smash burgers, hot dogs, gourmet sausages, breakfast burritos that are actually killing it, um, and more. So it's very exciting to be over here. I've sort of been put um, in a position to help with those virtual brands that they have called the Absolute Brands. Uh, but I'm also, you know, there's always so much to do that I've been helping with my own connections and background to uh, all across the organization. So it's been great. That's awesome. So um, for those that don't remember, you, you used to be at the ramen company, Jinya. I still Correct. go there. Still love their ramen. Um, and as you said, now you're in this new position. Jinya is a brick and mortar. It's full service. Well, it's actually fast casual. Technically, there's counter services yeah. down. You're kind of waited on. Um, whereas Doghouse and, and especially the virtual brand world, completely different. So how has this transition gone from you, gone for you? And and what are what are some of the biggest challenges in shifting from this company that you're at now from Jinya as well as the format shift? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, when I came here, it's it's kind of a great time to be here. And that, you know, when the doghouse brand started, it started in 2010 as well, same as Jinya. Um, but they were they were kind of a fast, casual brand. You know, it wasn't really about the bar. Yeah, they had beer. They didn't have full liquor licenses at the time. They didn't have the doghouse beer garden concept. It was just doghouse. So that's kind of our legacy brand at this point. And you could imagine a, a, a doghouse like that might be in, in an old Taco Bell, like the old school Taco Bell that you know from the 70s, that building though. That's where a doghouse could be. Now, we've got doghouse beer gardens. They've got full liquor licenses. They've got patios. They've got games. They've got, you know, just much more of a bar experience. So since I've been over here, we've been talking about how to make this brand more bar friendly. How do we make it better? How do we increase the happy hour? How do we put in new drinks? How do we, you know, like we're really going through that top to bottom and really, you know, have a beverage committee now. We're working with our drink partners like coca-cola but we're also looking at the alcohol brands and kind of trying to do some bigger things we're doing we're doing milkshakes which we're going to do some spiked ones coming up which is really cool so like all these things are in development and we're sort of that brand that's known for really like if we get an idea maybe we'll make a virtual brand out of it maybe we'll put it on our menu you know we'll see but like they've been doing that over time and it's led to a lot of success that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, a completely different format, even within Doghouse. It sounds like you guys are really yeah. uh, evolving and iterating and learning. Um, what's interesting to me is 
this more immersive experience that you're talking about with the uh, beer garden, it's nothing new, but shifting from the traditional idea and bringing this in, but then thinking about doghouses building this, this, um, you know, fame around that experience, but virtual doesn't offer it. So how are you bridging that gap? How do you bring that fun and that immersiveness and that uniqueness that doghouse has into these virtual brands that may be inextricably linked uh, for people? Yeah, it's funny. We've got these quirky names like Badass Breakfast Burritos, for instance, or Jailbird, which is our you know wings. Um, just different ideas like that. But what it, what I've found, what it really comes down to, and I, I don't want to talk negative about any competitors, but you know what it is. It's like you got these brands that might have a celebrity at the helm or just their name is slapped on it. The food quality is not there. People know right away. What we've seen, we've done a ton of research on this and really the last six months especially, but... The idea that, you know, Mr. Beast Burger has 800 locations, 3,000 locations, whatever that number they want to put on there. But how many reorders are they getting? After you order that one time, how many people order that again? I would say it's very small. The other thing we have going for us, you know, in our like our badass breakfast burrito concept, we, we average selling, you know, hundreds a day of that product. Right. So it's like that's per location. Mr. Beast, we found only sells seven per day at the locations that they have. So even though it's a huge volume because there's 3000 of them or whatever that number is, they're not selling a ton, you know, per location. So what we found is that our advantage is really the quality of the food. And we, we really try to push that in the forefront from the operations angle, from packaging, from, you know, getting it to a science where we know this is what sells, what's good. We know how to make it. We know how to deliver it um, with our partners or, you know, even taking that, into direct delivery and that sort of thing. So that's the, that's the future. But what we, what our advantage is, is the product itself and our food really sells itself. Like we're getting tons of repeat orders. We've got a great loyalty um, to the brand and an affinity to the brand. So now our next challenge is like, how do we make that doghouse fan know about badass breakfast burritos? Because it is not inside the four walls, right? It's not on the menu board as badass breakfast burrito. Jailbird is not on the menu, right? It's all virtual. So that's that's our challenge is like, how do we connect them? Or maybe do we not want to connect them, right? Like maybe we don't need to connect them. Maybe we can license badass breakfast burritos with another bigger concept and they can sell that, right? So like there's all these ideas out there that we're working on. So there's a lot of excitement, but really I, I think what it's come down to is the core products and how they travel. And with this badass breakfast burritos, I mean, it's just, it's doing so well. It's 20% of our sales now for across the brand. So it's just really taken off in a, in a huge way. So for my job, it's like, how do I, what I want to do is make badass breakfast burritos and or doghouse what you think of when you think of a breakfast burrito. And I know that's hard to do in California, but in Maryland, maybe it's easier, right? Maybe it's easier in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You know, like just these other places where breakfast burrito culture is not what it is. I feel like we can really plant the flag and be that because this product tastes so good and it's really working. So, yeah, that, that's so much to unpack there. Um, so for clarity purposes, the, the virtual concepts that you have now solely exist within doghouse footprints, or do you have them for other uh, we, kitchens? And yes, so we do work with both the main kitchens. So kitchen United is obviously our close partner, uh, but we do work with, um, with the others as well in certain instances, you know what I mean? But it's very limited. And what we've, what we've really found is 
we this year we've sort of taken a step back from those. So like the kitchen experience, the virtual kitchens, and really dove more into our own brick and mortar and how mm-hmm. to ma- make the execution better from our own stores. And so even though we have six virtual brands, it's not like we're out here trying to get ghost kitchens for all of them. We're trying to run them from our own kitchens. And that's been sort of the focus for this year. But what's great about that is, like I said, we could turn on a new brand tomorrow and then here's a, here's another brand. Here's a different take on it. You know, we're always the, the, the real research in the kitchen is what is great here because these guys love to cook. They love food. And it's like they're always inventive with that. So it's like it's, it's a nice feeling to know they're also not scared to say, OK, here's a brand like all we need is a logo and some packaging. And we, we got the same ingredients for the most part, usually. So, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, they're they're very adventurous when it comes to that. And then if one sticks, great. If it doesn't, we can take it away. You know, it's not a lot of not a huge investment. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I think has been, um, I don't, I mean, I'll say scary, but I don't mean scary. I, I think, so in y'all's case, it makes a lot of sense. You have footprints, you have a kitchen, you can take the mitigated risk that is lower cost, all things considered. Uh, and by all things, I mean the the cost of finding a location, putting an LOA down, um, securing a building out, blah, 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 the list goes on. Yep. Um, so that's great. But I do think that there is a misperception or misconception from a lot of folks that all it is is create a fun name, throw a logo together, put some packaging together, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, see you later, uh, and get it out there. And I think that my thinking is that it's going to lead to some of these set it and forget it brands. It's going to lead to failure. Is that something that you see that you're seeing? Is that something that you guys are worried about? I would say not, we're not worried about that. And it goes back to the product. We've tried all these brands, right? Where we always are like, let's try this one. Let's see this bar stool, whatever. Like, what is it? And we get the packaging, we see the food, we're like, oh, not great. You know, it's not, it's nothing that I really would ever want to order again. And I don't want to trash anyone's brands, but like, it's just the the name of the game. Come on. But it's like, it's like, dude, like, is Barstool really spending time to do that research? Is Mr. Beast really out here testing food like that? Is, you know, no, mm-hmm. he's not. He doesn't have time to do that. We know that. And plus, when it's not your passion, like when I, when I see Mario Lopez tacos, do I ever want that? No. Why, is he known for tacos? No. He's known for being Latin, right? Like, so, right. Come on, dude. like, you're just, now it's getting stereotypical. Like, it, <laughs> it's just funny to me that, um, you know, it's just they don't have the the culinary background, right? And I think where right. Doghouse shines is we are created by people that are very into food. That was the goal from day one. We use King's Hawaiian rolls. We do, we do all these things that are a little different. And we really focus on quality. Like Creekstone Farms is our, our meat provider, let's say. No antibiotics. Like it's not a joke here. Like we talk about it, but we, we need to talk more about it because I think, you know, the today's guests, especially the younger ones, they care about those things. They care about the environment, the planet, where the where things are sourced. You know, they they Chipotle is, you know, for what they are, they've done that job of like, hey, we, we're selling you something better. Is it really? I don't know, but they talk about it, right? So we, we right. kind of le- we're leaning into that as well. Like let's put it out there what we're doing because you are paying for that quality. And I think, you know, from what I've heard from our team, only being here five or six months, you know, in the past, it's like, how do you get someone to pay $8 for a hot dog when Costco sells for $1.50? So that's a a unique challenge for us. But it's like, how do we do that with high quality ingredients, telling people about the ingredients, making these exotic builds and things that look different? It's not just a hot dog. And you know that when you, once you see it, you know, so it's, that's our job to get in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the approach there. And so you're really, zeroing in on the quality of product. 
that's not a different story. I mean, everybody thinks, well, I won't say everyone, that's blanket, right? So many people think that their food is quote unquote the best. Um, But I think what you started to unpack is reasons to believe why it has a better flavor profile, those uh, King's Hawaiian buns, the quality of the product um, and how you're putting this together. And I think that culminates to give the market reasons to not just acknowledge, but believe. And you're right. What does Mr. Beast bring to that table? So one thing that he has that even y'all don't have is a loudspeaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have to pay for that, right? So you have to right. go out there, you have to put paid media together. You have to get the you know, in- influencers, God forbid I say that word. Um, <laughs> God, I hate that word so much. <laughs> but you have to get influencers to go out there and also add um, gravitas to those claims because no one's going to believe it coming from the brand's mouth. But once the word is out and you've brought someone through that early funnel using marketing speak to a point where they want to try with Mr. Beast or less with little substance with Barstool, um, I'm actually not familiar with their brand. I probably their brands. I know Barstool Sports, but not their virtual brands. But I would I'd have to imagine Dave Portnoy does have a pretty good stranglehold on pizza. And I would say he may have a better stranglehold on pizza than many other pizza people out there uh, just yeah, because yeah. of that series. I don't know if you've seen it, but well, yeah. What's funny that brand, they don't, they didn't, they weren't doing pizza. It was wings. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. So like, why not do pizza? Right. It's, like, exactly. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's one of those things, dude. It's like um, to take it away from virtual for a second, just to, to talk about this, like, Dobrik. Dobrik has a pizza shop now here on Sunset, right? No one's going there for the quality of the pizza. Watch any review. I, I saw one last week with Portnoy testing it, and he's like, I know you're my boy, but dude. And he was really honest, like, I, I don't yeah. think I'd eat this again. You know, and it was like very interesting. And what we're seeing with that is like, yeah, the fame carries it so far, but it's like with any brand, yeah, you want to open big. Those are all going to open big because they do have that that megaphone and they can blast that message out. Hey, great. But is there, are people buying it again? You know what I mean? That That's right. all that I care about because yeah, you'll have this huge splash. Yeah, you might have millions of people interested, but if you don't deliver the first time, like any brand, people aren't going to go back. So over time to, to one of the questions you would ask, like, are, are they going to die? Are they going to do this? They might not die. Some of them are definitely going to die because people aren't mm-hmm. going to order them after having it once. And then you know, restaurants are not going to serve them anymore. They're just going to say, you know what, that one doesn't work. We're just not seeing any orders. So why are we doing it? And I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to take time. But I think, you know, even though it's cliche, that quality piece matters, and especially in delivery, because you don't want to get something that sucks or that, you know, you waited now it's not good or all those things matter on delivery in a, in a major way. So yeah, they have the fame and they can say, hey, here's this virtual brand. I didn't have to do anything. I just put my name on it. Here, here's the burger. If you order from a different Mr. Beast, did you know that the there is no standard? Like the meat quality doesn't matter to them. They say, here's the build, but they don't care what meat you're using. They don't care what condiments. It's just, yeah, you use ketchup, you use mustard, you use this meat. So every time you have it, it could be a different experience depending on where you get it. That's not really what people look for in brands, in my opinion. So another advantage for someone like us who yeah. does have that standard and you, you know what you're getting every time with us. So. Yeah. I think there's like this misconception from um, folks that are either novice novices to the industry or um, play on a, on a lower scale 
I think that's a nice way of saying it yep. where those things don't matter. And it's like, make it as cheap as possible, maximize the profitability, get the money and go. But I, I think now more than ever, the, the delivery game has changed it. I mean, you're paying a lot of money, yes. you know, for something that would otherwise be very, like very inexpensive. Like if I got that same Mr. Beast burger, let's say, you know, at a park out of a truck yeah. and, it, and it wasn't, it was different than the one I'm used to. Like, I probably wouldn't care too much. You know what I mean? I'm like, Hey, it's got the things that's fine. But after I've paid for the mm -hmm. fees and the delivery fees and I have to tip the guy, yep. you know, I'm paying more for all that than I am the actual product. And that thing comes back tasting like garbage. I mean, that's horrible. Highly disappointing, right? Like when that yeah. happens, you're just like, and it leads to in the delivery game. It's like, I feel like a lot of people just probably have a few favorites. You know what I mean? They can trust it. They know what they're going to get. Even if they're like, oh, I'm not hungry for Chipotle today. But you know, if that bowl comes, it's going to be what you want pretty much. And it's the same thing every time. Right. But yeah. for others, it's like if I have to do trial and especially with a food like a hamburger, not the best you know, situation for traveling, obviously. Fries, same thing. Like they're going to get not as good. Advantage for us, tots, right? Tots last longer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like little things like that where it's like we don't – we're not going to lean in to fries the way we set up our virtual menus. Like tots are going to be number one. Just trying to think in those ways where it's like what – what does the guest want and need? And then try to outthink them, if that makes sense, and say, what are we going to deliver that they don't know they want? Or can we set it up in a way where it's like they're sort of falling where, where we say this is the best of our menu because we know it's going to take 20 or 30 minutes to get to you. So maybe avoid this, go with this, right? You're still going to get great flavor, all that. But we're that's where we're at now, too, is really just engineering that menu or the menus and trying to get them to that place. And we're also playing with like, you know, menu positioning. So like on, on, on our virtual brands, what's the order on the DSPs versus our own site? Does it matter? How does it work? What, what are the sales differences? All these things. We're trying to just get a lot of data right now and, and push that forward. And then the other piece, um, we, Kitchen United, I mentioned, they are a partner, but they're actually building an OS for us that will live mm. on top of Toast where we'll have multi-brand ordering and with that in the same basket, meaning multi-brand loyalty, which is really exciting for us because if you're a doghouse user or fan and you've ordered and we have your history, we know what you're doing, but you've never tried Bad Aspects Fritos, here's an email, you, you gotta try this, here's your discount, here's the, whatever that is, it's like tying all that together is really exciting because now people really know that the brands are connected in that way and they're like, oh, I like the doghouse quality, I'll probably like you know, Bad Mother Clucka, I'll probably like right. Badass Breakfast Burrito, That's, that looks amazing. So we'll be able to tie that together. So that kind of is gonna change our whole marketing strategy once that's ready to go this year. Um, and then on my side, I, I, I'm obviously, you know me, but I, I push for digital. I have a partner with partnership with Hyperlocology. We're already talking about dialing into that direct ordering once this KU environment's ready, because every marketing piece is going to go direct, direct orders, you know, um, right. the data, retarget, find lookalikes. The whole thing is going to be dialed in, in a way that this brand's never had it before. So we're really excited about that because in conjunction with this KU thing, with hyperlocology's help, it's like we're going to drive transactions direct for our own ordering, you know, and then we'll get away from fees that way. We'll be able to subsidize the order um, fee or, you know, the delivery fee through our partners, but it's still cheaper than giving them 20, 25, whatever, you know, these guys have signed up for in the past. So um, that's really exciting. And that's just going to open up a new world. And I know you, you talk about this probably a lot on these pods just in, in your career, but like the data piece. I think mm -hmm. restaurants still struggle with it because we don't have a data, data analyst on our team. 
but we know we need that data. We need to take that data and then use it in ways that will help us grow our brand or grow repeat business or grow, you know, like whatever that thing is, but we need to harness the data and start using it. So that's, that's been a huge goal for this year as well. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, everything is providing data these days, but I, I rare is the case that you find folks that really know how to use it. So right. uh, my friend, Tammy Billings, she started Aben and Aben's been pretty mm-hmm. great to look at from outside looking in as far as harnessing some of that sales data and getting really nuanced with when people are buying, when people are making buying decisions. Um, you know, and hopefully, hopefully I'll get her on the podcast here soon, but, um, you know, that's why here at, at, Vigor slash Pavone, we have a data science team for that very reason. Like it's mm-hmm. like, we know you have data, but what are you doing? What story are you excavating from that data that can help you make decisions on things like buying behaviors, on things like um, where, where not just profitability, but how can you maximize that profitability? How can you maximize order counts and order averages? Um, but a lot of it just comes from the gut. So. Yeah. That's re- that's really troubling. Now, what one side of this that really we haven't I haven't really dove into it with anyone, and it, but it's really intriguing to me. And since you're kind of on the front lines here, is the innovations in packaging. You know, so you mentioned the 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 French fry game, which I mean, anybody that works with French fries, we know it. Just the sweating makes them suck. Yeah, and it's really tough to keep a, a well balanced, crisp to to a tooth. Uh, balance in there, but crisp what innovations? Tooth. Love it. Cri- crisp the tooth. Yeah, the it's tooth. really important. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, bo- I'm borrowing tooth from the uh, pasta world, but yeah, <laughs> it's um. What are you seeing as far as innovations, and then what kind of impact do you think that's having on the bottom line? Because as we know, innovations when they first come out cost more because it takes a while for the very you know the demand to catch up with the supply and therefore drive prices down. It's funny, we we're in the middle of packaging, you know, like we're figuring out how what packaging do you want to go with in the near term and the short term. It's like we have some packaging that looks nice um, with hot dogs, it's a little different. So it's like a tray and then you slide it into a box and it keeps it well. But is it hot enough? It's cardboard. You know, it's not it's right. not ideal. Right. Fries, same thing. Like we don't have great fry packaging solutions right now here, but at other brands I worked for, like Halal Guys, they solved it. If you've seen their fry package, it's pretty awesome. It's got holes in it, holds well, the lid shuts. Like I would love for us to go to something like that. Um, but literally, I can't really help you with this because we're in the middle of like trying to figure this out. We've got our designers working on the look and feel, but as the actual products, it's like we're taking a look at everything. We're probably like a lot of brands, like, okay, what for our brand, what makes the most sense? You know, like yeah. our burgers are pretty big. They're square, right? But they're they're Hawaiian rolls. So you got to think through that. How does that work? Right. Like there's a lot here where we things you don't have to worry about at other brands. We sell corn dogs. Like how do you get a corn dog hot to someone in the most in the best way so it doesn't break while it's on the way? You know, there's things like right. that. So we're really we're really in the middle of it right now, trying to figure it out, just like everybody. Um, but to your point, it is a huge, I wouldn't say concern, but it's like we need to solve it just like everybody else, because we do want to get that quality product to you hot and you know, crisp to two. Yeah. It's, um, you know, may, I think obviously there, there's innovations that happen with the packaging too, but I, I wonder what, what can these DSPs delivery service providers for those that don't know, um, what can they do to help out? You know, like I'm, I'm surprised we don't have, um, modular solutions that have both hot and cold that can be put into vehicles. Um, 
you know, because then that would make our jobs a little bit easier when we're thinking about innovating in that, hey, we know the hot side is going to be capped at 140, 160, yeah. whatever that, that temperature is. Um, but if you're going to provide delivery, I think the means of transportation is only one facet. Like, you know, you're talking about food and, and part of that's food safety, which yeah. is really tough. Yeah, I remember, you know, a few years ago when it was really happening, everyone was looking for stickers. Like, how do I seal my bag? Because before that, we didn't even do that, right? You might tie right. it, you might do whatever. It's like, I got to seal it to make sure that, you know, a driver doesn't accidentally grab some fries out of it or whatever, you know, like, of course, yeah. the horror stories, but it's true, you know, you need all that. So um, I feel like that part of it, you know, was COVID really pushed a lot of, you know, hey, we got to figure out this to-go packaging. And like, like you said, when I was at Ginya, when I started at Ginya, eight stores even had delivery, even had online mm. eight, right? We had to build it in two months. We had to set it up. We needed to talk to DSPs. Like a lot of our stores didn't even do third party at Genia because they yeah. didn't need to. You know what I'm saying? Like they made well, it. Soup's money. a whole nother level, man. Like, yeah. And they were just like, we're good. We're good. So I know that really from the front lines of at Genia, we had to figure that out within a month or two and really get it going, negotiate the contracts, set it all up with all our franchisees, make sure they're on board, make sure they know how to execute, you know, change the packaging. We actually right. set up some some stickers at Jinya that named the which bowl of ramen you, you get, which sounds so like, yeah, of course you should do that. No, they were using a grease pencil for years because they didn't have a lot of yeah. work. So like, sure, we'll just write. Then stickers became mandatory. We needed it, you know, it helped the guests immensely because you're getting four bowls if you're ordering two ramens, soup, toppings, soup toppings, knowing which is which is huge. And especially right. for someone who might not order ramen a lot. So we saw, we saw our guest satisfaction go way up. Once we started doing that, we saw it on reviews. We saw it everywhere. Like, Oh, we love these stickers. Cause now we, you know, we really know that that's ours, you know, if we have a multiple order. So little things like that go a huge, go a long way. Um, but you know, I just think the packaging experience is, very top of mind here and we're trying to solve that this year because we know right. you know it's it's, it's got to be done especially across our brands like we we when they started the brands it was right when COVID started so like the bag they're like let's do it cheap here's a stamp of the logo so literally we've got people at the restaurant stamping bags badass breakfast burritos and that was our that was our packaging now we're like right. let's take it up a level um you know we could license this brand potentially to another brand we got to make sure we have everything dialed in so we're working through it but it's all important man <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that's that's the thing. There's like no one thing that should just be painted over. But I do like the idea. I mean, especially when you're starting something up, um, a lot of places want to do it perfect, but perfect is undefined because you quite you don't really know what people are going to be buying and what kind of volume. And so, you know, we're big proponents of like get the things set that you know for sure are borderline immovable. But also be ready for that evolution. Be ready to learn and iterate and iterate. Um, Quickly, and and if you were in Silicon Valley, God, I hate to say this now, considering the the things with the banks, but like fail fast, yep. you know. And the whole idea of failing fast is learn what's not working, adjust, iterate, try something new until you get the right thing, rather than trying to turn every knob perfectly and wait for the perfect moment because there is no such thing. Um, you know, how, how much of that are you guys employing? How much of that mentality are you putting to use when you when you think about these innovations? We definitely are not not on like packaging per se even though we were talking about that but like happy hour let's say we've got different franchisees in different parts of the country and they some might say hey we need x on our happy hour menu because this local audience will react and for the longest time and it, this is every brand but they're like no we have our set thing here we're sticking with this even though it might help you there 
we don't have the bandwidth to create this for you one-off style you know like every brand goes goes through that we've been going through that but how, how we're solving for it is we're allowing certain franchisees to try things we're setting up committees where it's like mm-hmm. there's a packaging committee let's say um there's a happy hour committee there's all these committees with like maybe four to five franchise partners but like it's the ones that that's their specialty let's say so the guy that sells a ton of delivery we want him on the packaging because he's gonna know right he's selling the most so um that's how we've tried to kind of set this up and we'll let them try things then we'll come back together and say how's that working for you how's that impacted sales how's that impacted your costs etc and then we'll sort of keep the ball rolling and we'll say all right we're going to implement this now everywhere take this these learnings this was the best you know thing because we are of the uh, we're the kind of people that you know the best idea wins not my idea you know it's just we want sure. the best idea we don't care where it comes from so um we're really into that now we, this year we've honed in on these committees and i think even though I wasn't here, what I've learned from this brand is communication, 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 because when COVID happened, franchisees were freaking out. They didn't have any of the virtual brands. They only had Doghouse. They made the decision the first week when everything shut down, hey, let's turn them on, let's go. And it was a complete leap of faith because we didn't know how we were gonna do it. We didn't know how to do six brands at the same time, you know, but like worked our way through, had the partners, um, the partners had our backs, meaning our, our founders, but then franchisees every week, they had a weekly call. How's it going? Here's what we're learning, kind of triaged our, our team. So it's like, you're an expert in delivery, you're an expert in design, you're an expert in this. And we would bring things to the table every week as it was happening. So like, hey, uh, Panera Bread's doing this and it's working for them. And just letting our franchisees know, like, this is what's out here. Everyone kind of became an expert in a certain you know, piece of this. And then we just would communicate and over communicate. And I think that really helped this brand survive it. Their sales actually came out higher because when they launched the virtual brands, they got about a 30% pop. So it really was a smart thing to do at the time. But even though I wasn't here, it's like I, in talking to our team, it's like, that's how we attacked it. You know, just everyone kind of became an expert. Everyone would talk over communicate. And it really, I found in my career, communicating communication in general, the most important to franchisees, to operations for me being a marketer um, early on, in my early, early days, like Baja fresh, I just remember going there and like ops didn't talk to marketing or at least they right. were always at odds. They might've talked and it was friendly in the hallway, but when it came to decisions, everybody's at odds and no one's on the same page. That's how it was there. From that job, I really took that to heart and said, look, the only way as a marketer, I'm gonna get things done are lockstep with ops, right? either good cop, bad cop, or what do they need from me to help them? And then they'll help me, you know? So I've always tried to attack it that way in my career, but it's coming from a place where it was not like that. And it was very obvious and it could have been way better. So I always just try to take that, you know, as I moved on in my career. It's a good lesson learned. Um, I would say one idea to bring to the table for you guys, this one's free by the way, is remove the word committee. And I think you should take inspiration from Imperialist Britain Mm -hmm. um, and change it to ministry. So okay. the Ministry of Packaging Innovation, like now that's something it. you want to put on your resume. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I am uh, the leader of the Ministry of uh, Amazing Marketing Solutions. <laughs> there you go, man. You know. I love it. Well, so you're kind of at the forefront of what's going on in, in the virtual space. And, um, you know, it, it amazes me every month as I see more and more brands kind of come and. I think some are dying off, some slower than others, some quicker than I expected. Um, what, what do you think is next up for 
this massive digital shift and, and virtual brands? And do you think we're going to start to see a convergence of virtual concepts that do so well that they actually find a place in brick and mortar? Um, what, what's the big forecast from Senior Bartek? I think that's going to happen. I, I think what will happen, and it depends if you know, maybe at a CEO level, if they'll let it happen. But I do, I think that licensing brands that are popular is going to become a thing. I think we're obviously on the forefront of that now talking to some people. I can't talk about who, but like there's some things where it could be a thousand locations and it could be Mm. tomorrow. So if that happens, badass breakfast burrito, we become a burrito brand, right? Overnight, which is kind of scary, but our founding partners are talking about it already. Like, you know what that means? Like, that's a thousand locations where we would do everything. We would do all the marketing, we would do the packaging, all this. So we're already preparing for that. But I, I really do see that. I think a lot of the fly by night celebrity led brands will go away. I mean, it's just, it's going to happen because of quality control. I feel more than anything. Right. Uh, also in that world, you know, when you're, whenever you're dealing with celebrity, it could be here today, gone tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Mariah Carey has staying power and she's probably not going anywhere, but like, do people are people going to care about Mario Lopez if he's not on that show anymore? Or mm-hmm. Mr. Beast, he could have some. Who was the other guy online that said something and then he was just erased like the next day, right? Like that kind of yeah. thing happens. And then it's like maybe Mr. Beast goes away, he slips up and says one wrong thing. All of a sudden he's banned or whatever, right? So yeah. I just feel like those type of brands aren't here for the long haul. I feel like if it's chef driven or brand driven and you, you know that food, that's where it's going to be. I think, you know, um, who, who does a great job like Fuku, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's He's no beginning from Chang, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Chang's going to kill it. So um, I just think it's more chef driven, more brand driven. It's more about story. You know how it is with the youth. You have a kid now. They, yeah. they care about the planet. They care about, maybe not yours, not old enough to care about not yet. Yeah. Uh, the bathroom <laughs> and food. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Just the, the way the world is going. I feel, I feel like the real stories are more important than ever. You know what I mean? Telling your real background, telling your real history, and then having people buy into that by saying, you know what? I like that too, or I'm that way too. And I can buy into that. And I see where these guys are coming from, or I see where these ladies, they started in their kitchen they did this whole thing. And now they have this brand. Like I love stories like that. Even out here. I mean, I don't know if you've been out here in a little bit, but we've got this brand home state, which you may have heard of. It's, it's a, it's a woman from Texas. But okay. she does breakfast tacos and she makes queso and she's got, she's a triplet. So she has two sisters, but it's literally like just, they started here. They brought these recipes here and now I think they have six or seven locations, but it's a brand I love because it's like the vibe, the music, they're making tortillas by hand, great food. You know, it's just yeah. like they're doing a great job and it's the kind of brand that could blow up. And that's what you want. You know what I mean? They have a story. They, they're they in the community. They they do donations. They work with music artists to do their, you know, foundational right. kind of things. It's just like, that's the kind of brand I want to be a part of. I don't feel bad spending my money there because I know that she's, right. you know, doing it in the community and really doing a great job. So I think brands like that are, are what people will focus on in the future. And especially the youth. I think as we grow, you know, we're old. We don't, yeah. you know, we like what we like. Bummer, like these, these young kids are, are the future, yeah. obviously, but they're the ones that are like, what do they stand for? And that matters, which back when I was, I didn't, I went to Burger King, you know what I'm saying? I didn't care what yeah. the politics were or whatever. I went to these restaurants. I didn't care now. It's just the, it's a cultural change. And I think those that are equipped to deal with that, or at least have a story or bring something to the table are going to be in a better position than those that don't. Yeah. I mean, I think patrons, you're, you're tapping into it um, outside of, the philanthropy and the the political statements and stuff like that. I think those are all 
um, surface level outputs from a deeper need. And I think that need is to feel like a sense of honesty and a sense of real, like you mentioned with home state. I just want to feel like it's real. I want to feel like I'm not lining the pockets of some fat cat, Wall Street, blah, blah, blah. And you can go down that whole, you know, rabbit hole. Um, but only because you brought her up. I'm going to bring bring us back to that for one second. If Mariah Carey opens up a, a Christmas cookies brand, I'm buying them. Yeah. I'm buying them like a lot. You know like, why? I just think on principle. You, she knows Christmas probably better right. than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> And she doesn't want a lot for Christmas. She no. only wants you and these <laughs> delicious cookies. <laughs> yes. Um, that idea is copywritten. If you do decide, anyone listening to um, connect with Mariah, Miss Carrie, and I, I expect to be called. I, I want I want royalties, and I think it's a brilliant idea in the making. Um, so last time we had you on, we asked you what your one final meal would be. I think it'd be kind of unfair to do that again. Yeah. Um, so why don't we water that down a little bit and ask you, what is your favorite meal right now or your favorite place to eat? What are you loving the most? Not You can't say anything from Doghouse because that's obvious. Yeah. No, um, you may have been to this spot, but you know Javier's, that brand. I think there's about six of them, Vegas, here, yeah, yeah. a couple of places. Um, dude, I love their food. I love that whole menu. I could I could go there and try something different 30 days in a row and be satisfied every time. I mean, it's just an amazing experience. So as a for fine dining Mexican food, yeah. On on the coast, like going down there, it's one of my favorite things to do. And also the people watching, because you could imagine Newport Coast, like who's going there, and it's just hilarious. For right. someone like me, I'm just like, I, I love it. So I just like the people <laughs> watching. I love the food. They've got an amazing bar. Like just attention to detail with Javier himself. I have a friend that actually, it's a random ass story, but maybe 10 years ago, the first time I went, he played on Javier's basketball team. They were in this like rec league. So okay. he knew them. So we would go there, my wife and I and a couple friends. And Javier's there. He comes to the table, and I, I had never been there, so I'm just like, "This is amazing!" Like, this is like, yeah. is it like this every time. It's like, no, because my friend was with us that knows him, but he's bringing out quesadillas, doing the whole thing, and it's just like such a nice time. But that was the first time I went, and then ever since, I was just like, love the brand, the attention to detail, the the quality. You know, like that's the kind of brands I want to work for or be a part of. So. I would say Javier's, and I, I, there's nothing on that menu I wouldn't eat. But you know, the the mole enchiladas are killer. Mm. So. Yeah, that sounds killer, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, next time I'm around one, maybe it's Vegas for a trade show, or maybe I get out there to uh, to the LA area again. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to go. Um, look, man, thanks for being so generous with your time and your insights and your ideas. It's great having you on again, um, and uh, hope, hope to connect with you real soon. Anytime, buddy. Thank you. If you love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram and LinkedIn. Four Tales is produced by the team at Vigor, a Pavone Group company. Audio and post-production provided by Zencaster and the Pavone Group team. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts.